0: it is we are that church. We are that church. We are that church that Jesus wanted. We are the church that he dreamed about. We are the church that he prayed for. We are in the right time at the right moment. If you are even around a computer or a phone, chances are you have at some point looked at the news at some point you have seen some headlines at some point you know that there is chaos and craziness all the way from elected officials down to people in the street that the world seems to be going absolutely crazy things that were certain are not certain anymore things that we could count on we can't count on anymore and i want you to know that god is not absent from history God is not removed from the world and saying, hey, y'all figure it out. No, God is saying, I have an answer and a solution to every negative voice in the media, every negative personality, every person who would seek to destroy people. I have an answer, and it's called the church. That he has called us together For this very same season that we see a flood of negativity and evil, that we are to overwhelm it and overtake it with love, the love that comes from Jesus and comes from God manifested in the church. And so we are that church. And I want to read to you uh, a little bit here in Acts chapter two. You might just want to take the highs out. Uh, on the EQ on this mic Acts chapter 2 I want to kind of give you the big picture of the church this is a a scripture that's often referenced uh, when we talk about church and I want to read just a little bit before it for some of you who are new uh, to the Bible the church was started by this one person well I should say it this way you'll see the scripture that Jesus picked a church planter from his crew to plant the church And Peter is his name. You got to take all the highs out. He gets up in front of all these people and he begins to preach. Now, I'm not going to read all of his sermon, but I want to read at least a little part of it starting at verse 36. So here in verse 36, here's what he, as he wraps up his sermon and makes his appeal. So let everyone in Israel know for certain That God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. So at the end of the sermon, the Bible says here's what their response. Peter's words pierced their hearts. Peter's words felt like a knife going right through them. Pierced their hearts. And then he said to him and the other disciples... Brothers, what should we do? What should we do about this? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you. Somebody say to you. And to your children, somebody say your children, and even the Gentiles, all who have, here's the word right here, been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. He, was, he just kept on preaching. So the church came down for the appeal. He said, I'm going to keep on preaching. He kept preaching for a long time. Sometimes it takes a long time for people to get it. Sometimes it takes you more than once a month to get it. Sometimes it takes you coming every single week, hearing a message 24 hours, whatever it takes. Sometimes we need that. And he kept on preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. The generation was crooked 2,000 years ago, and it's going to be crooked until Jesus comes. Then those, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day 3,000 in all. That must have been an amazing sermon. 3,000 people were, it's not about they got baptized, but that they got convicted, that their hearts were pierced. And so here we go, we start reading about the church, right? Listen to this, all the believers Devoted themselves to the apostles teaching in other words, they dedicated themselves to continue to hear what the apostles had to teach and to fellowship and the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. They committed themselves to what to teaching to hearing the scriptures, to fellowshipping, connecting with each other, to eating together, providing meals. And the Lord's Supper, doing communion, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to this. And a deep sense of awe, a deep sense of wonder, a deep sense of amazement came over all of them. They were all amazed by how they felt. They were all amazed by what was happening. They were all amazed by what God was doing with them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. So they erased class in this church. They erased racism in this church. They erased sexism in this church. This is why the world needs the church to show that there's no one who's greater than the other. That we value women. We value anyone who may be considered outsiders or outside of what is normative. And so they shared everything. They sold their property and they worshiped together at the temple. Each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, here's my favorite part of this part, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can I just speak to someone who's maybe here with a friend or someone invited you, and maybe you're listening to this or watching this because somebody told you to watch this, that that you are coming because God is adding to our fellowship and that you are in the process of being delivered. You may not believe yet, you may be here, but God is trying to restore you and cleanse you and heal you, and He does it through the church. So what is, what is your pastor trying to tell you today? We are that church. We are that church. And, and before you start getting critical of yourself and looking around and say, Pastor, I don't know. That, that sounds like an amazing church. I want to go to that church when somebody comes to me and says, Here's the keys to the Bentley. I, I want to go to a church when somebody's cooking tamales every single week and enchiladas. I, I want to go to a church like that. We are that church. And before we start again to criticize ourselves, I want you to remember that just before we read this, these are the same people who were convicted and cut to the heart before they joined the church. In other words, these are are broken, imperfect people. These are people with issues. These are people with problems. These are people with addictions. These are people with attitudes. These are people just a few verses before who didn't have it together. But somehow through the power of God, through the submission of their will, through teaching, through prayer, through fellowship, they became the church that we read about. They became irresistible. They became magnetic. They became people who were drawn to their fellowship because of who we are. And they weren't perfect. They were broken people, but they were broken people who submitted to the power of God. And I love that word back in verse 39, that these are the people who were called by the Lord. Do you know what the church really means? Do you know what the the Greek, the original language of what the church word means? The word church really means the called out ones. The ones who who are called out. Now, I grew up, up, if somebody says, I'm calling you out, that means they were getting ready to roast you, right? They were getting ready to put you on blast. But these are the people that were called out of this and called into that. The only difference is that they actually took the invitation. And in the process of taking the invitation of being called out of this and called into that, the healing began. And the restoration began and the purpose began to be added to them and the scars began to be healed because they received the invitation to come out of this and be called into that. Can I just remind you that we are that church? We are calling people from this into that. We are telling you that we need you to come from where you are to a place where God wants you to be. And I love this word called. that's really what I want to talk to you about today is this process of being called out and called up. Being called out and called up. That's all the church really is. It's people who are called out. There's a bunch of people who are called out. And when they're called out, they're not just called to sit. They're not just called to wait. They're not just called to hide, to be quiet. To walk some political line. No, they're called out to be called up. See, you're going to get, I guarantee you, most of you in this room, we, we, I told you, we went somewhere and we got crazy. We got crazy because we were, we were reminded of our mission. And that's what I want to do over these next couple of weeks. Somebody is going to call you. Somebody is going to call you and they are going to not only call you out, they're going to call you up. And you're going to be asked to do something and you're going to be asked to serve. And here's where it's coming from is because we believe that we need you and that you're here on purpose. We are only who we are because of you. And God has put something special in you that he hasn't put in anybody else. And if you take the invitation to be called out, now it's time to be called up. Now it's time for that gift and that uniqueness and that perspective. And what you have is what we need because we have a work to do. And we have a nation to show the love of Christ to. So this reminds me of this time of the year which always catches me off guard but it kind of caught me off guard this year and this is the time for the nfl Now, normally, I'm going through a lot of sports withdrawal in the summer, but the NBA has done a great job of building some great narratives over the summer. So I got a little caught up with the NBA, and I was surprised by the NFL. Now, for those of you new to this church, I want you to know that deep down in our membership requirements, it's probably about page 12 or 13, there is a Seahawks fan membership requirement. If you're not there, we have a couple small groups for that. Um, if you like another team, there's a couple of people here. There's kind of an uprising of Dallas Cowboys fans. They're kind of laying dormant, kind of like kind of hiding in the depths. Uh, but we're trying to convert them. Uh, there's a couple. Actually, actually, there's a lot of them. And I'm worried about the shirt splitting over this. But it's, it's the Seahawks and the Seahawks have started. And it's funny when you watch a preseason game. Because a preseason game is usually people who have been called out and called up. They have been called out of college and called up from the draft. And when they're developing and they're growing and they're on a team on the team and they're trying to get called up, right? They want to be the person that gets an opportunity to play. They need to be the person that when Pete Carroll says it's time to go, that they're ready to go. And it's funny when you watch a preseason game because it's a little frustrating. Because when you watch a game, we actually went to a preseason game. That's the only Seahawks game we can afford. And so we went to a preseason game. But if you watch one now, you look, tell me if you've seen this, any of your team. You look on the screen, and the first question is, who is that? You see somebody in a strange number, and you're like, who in the world is that? You see a whole bunch of people that you do not recognize on the team. And it's funny because if they do something good, you look at them and say, man, he's going to be good. Good player. That was a good catch. If they do something bad, you say, man, he's going to be gone. Like he's going to be he's he's not on the team. Please don't put number 24 or whatever. Twenty twenty one or some odd number. Please don't put that brother on the team. And I don't know about you, but we got a little concerned because when, especially when you look at the Seahawks' defense, you know, we don't have the Legion of Boom that much anymore. We got one brother left, one remnant left of the Legion of Boom. I mean, they, it's, it's a shame. Uh, I, I remember um, one of my friends told me we had the LOB, we had the Legion of Backups. You know, that's what I heard him say. But, but here's the thing. See, Seahawks, what I love about the Seahawks is that that's their, that's their DNA, right? They always pick somebody that was a second round, late first round pick with a chip on their shoulder. And I love when Pete Carroll was being criticized about the team. Well, how are you going to bring the defense back? Pete Carroll had a really classic answer. He must've had a black mother when he grew up. Pete Carroll said, I mean, he really did. His brother must've been grew up in Detroit or something. He said, the last crew, the M O L O B, were the same draft, same type of people. I just brought them up so I can do it again. I was like, okay, Pete Carroll, <laughs> talking trash. I said, the last M O B was a bunch of no names that you didn't know about, but they came into our system and they got better. And so the L.O.B. people that you love and revere were a bunch of second round, third round people that we brought in and make them better. And he said, that's what I'm getting ready to do again. And it's interesting because Peter was like the Russell Wilson and the Bobby Wagner of the church. They were the. They were the ones that got all the money. They were the ones who had the influence, and he was the one who was leading the way. But the good thing about Peter is he understood something about himself. He was a second and third round back pickup, too. He was like Russell. They said, you're too short to play, and you ain't got the strength. And Peter has come a long way, and now Peter is saying to the church, I need to call you up. I'm looking for some third round Fourth round people who didn't get drafted. If they're willing, I'm going to call them up, put them into a system and watch them change the world. Here's what Jesus said about Peter. And Peter is kind of the DNA of the church because Peter was a problem. He really wasn't qualified for his role. And Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse um, 13 through 19, Jesus is talking to Peter And Peter's talking to Jesus. He he does a little check with his disciples. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? What's the word out there? Well, they reply, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. People are kind of saying, Jesus, that you're these people. And then Jesus brings it home. He says, now, but who do you say that I am? And here is this Peter. Steps up. He says, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And here's what Jesus says to him. He says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from a human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Can I break this down? Peter is dysfunctional. Peter's a hot mess. He's got a temper. He's got issues. And this is before his true conversion. And Jesus looks at him and says, That's the guy right there. Because Jesus is looking at you and he's seeing you right now. And he said, Yeah, they're a little hot headed. They're a little stubborn. They got a little attitude, but that's who I want. Yeah, that's the, one, that's the one I'm looking for. They're a little reckless. They'll cut somebody's ear off in a moment. I'm looking for somebody just like that. And it's interesting as we kind of fast forward uh, later in Peter's ministry with Jesus, Peter's starting to get really close with him. And he just feels like he has sold out his life no matter what. And Jesus has to talk to them a little bit here in verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 24, because they got caught up in the moment, and they start arguing here, in verse 24, begin to argue about who is the greatest, and Jesus has to set them straight. He pulls Simon aside in verse 31. He says, Simon, which is Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. So Satan has asked if I can destroy you, but look what Jesus says, I have pr- Sorry, I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, and your faith shall not fail. So when you have repented, turn to me again and strengthen your brothers. He says, Peter, I just want to let you know something. The devil is trying to destroy you, but I'm praying for you. See, sometimes that's all we have to do at the church. We're going to be that church that says you may be in this right now, but I'm praying for you. You may be in a bad situation right now. You may not see what's coming down the road, but I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And Peter doesn't realize it, but he's headed for something very devastating that's going to lift him up. Now, if I fast forward down to uh, verse 54 of that same chapter, Jesus gets arrested. They don't believe that Jesus is going to the cross. They don't want that to happen. They feel like we're building something else. But Jesus is taken. So they arrest him. They lead him to the priest's home. And Peter follows at a distance. All the stuff Peter was talking, he wasn't talking it right then. So he follows. They lit a fire. And Peter's standing around it. And then the little girl notices him and starts staring at him. She says, this man has been with Jesus. And Jesus had warned Peter, you're going to betray me. You're going to leave me. Peter says no nope, I don't even know him and then they're looking around and say man you look like one of them Peter's like man I'm not I'm not the dude you got the wrong brother 59 verse 59 an hour goes by and somebody's like no nope, you gotta be that dude you sound like Jesus you look like Jesus You walk like Jesus. Can I just encourage some of you who may be a little bit far from your walk with God, that if you've been with God, you can't help it, that people notice that you've been with Jesus. When you go to the club, you aren't that, you ain't that hot. Everybody knows, nah, that's a church person right there. They going way, they doing the absolute most. If you're just around God enough, you start to look like him, you start to walk like him. You just need to be reminded that he's called you out and he's called you up. And so they say, You're the one, I know you are. And then Peter turns around and he starts speaking. Oh, sorry, and he says, No, I don't know him. And at that moment, he turns around, the Lord sees him, and Peter remembers that he was going to deny him. And in verse 62 says, He left bitterly weeping. John tells us in chapter 2, chapter. Um, 21, that after Jesus dies, after he is crucified, all his disciples left him. And, G- and John or Peter does this. He says, I'm going back to work. Peter quits. He says, I guess this wasn't for me. So said, I guess Jesus was right. I, I didn't have what it takes. I, I didn't have enough strength. I, all my imperfections, all my, all my dysfunction, it just, I knew it was going to show up. I think that's how sometimes some of us get afraid when it comes to church. You feel afraid of yourself. You feel afraid that you've got too many problems and you're not really consistent. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're probably going to go back to what you always go back to. And that's what Peter did. Peter went back to fishing. I'm going back to it. I'm sorry. I gave it a shot. I tried before and the church hurt me. I tried before and it didn't work out. I gave it a shot, but how many of you know that Jesus won't give up on you? How many know that when Jesus makes up his mind, that he wants you, he doesn't change his mind. And when Jesus decided that this church new movement was going to be here in this community, he did not change his mind. He did not change his mind about you. He's saying, I'm calling you out and I'm calling you up. We are coming to get the job done. You might have made some mistakes. You might have went a different direction, but I'm not done with you. So the Bible says that Jesus starts looking for Peter. Peter's like, I quit. And Jesus, he doesn't even know that Jesus has rose from the dead. Bible says that they find out. They tell Peter, Peter, guess what? Jesus is alive. And Peter's like, yay. But he's filling with that guilt. He's like, no, I'm not going to go find him. So Jesus goes looking for Peter. Look here in verse John chapter 21. Jesus appears to the disciples he comes to Galilee they're all hanging out Cedars, Peter said verse 3 I'm going fishing I'm going fishing I'm going back to work I've just, I betrayed Jesus and there's no coming back so they said we'll come with you they went out and they caught nothing in the morning time let me, let me not skip over that they went back to work they quit and they're all night fishing and they caught nothing how many of you can testify that when you go back to that thing it doesn't do what it's supposed to do anymore it doesn't bring you what you really needed nothing comes back nothing comes out of it and so they come back and in the morning I love this Jesus was standing on the beach Peter had quit he left here he comes back and Jesus is standing on the beach and the disciples couldn't see who he was and he called out hey guys have you caught some fish they said no and he, he reenacts the same miracle he says throw your net out on the other side you'll catch fish and then they, they caught the fish and in verse 7 says that John says to Peter it's the Lord and when Peter heard that it was the Lord. When he heard that Jesus had come for him, when he realized that as he had quit and he was out on the boat, that Jesus was on the beach waiting for him and he was saying, Peter, I know you betrayed me. I know you think you hurt my feelings, but I'm here for you. And Peter hears it. Look what he does. He jumps into the water And he's headed to shore. Peter swims from the ocean to the beach. Peter swims from, that must have been a strong brother. Let me tell you, I would have had to wait till we got back. Because Jesus would have been resuscitating me when I got on the beach. He'd have been like, I would have been drowning by the time I got there. But Peter is so excited. He runs and he jumps in the water. And you hear this beautiful moment but reconciliation happens. And Jesus tells Peter, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah, of course I love you. Jesus keeps asking these questions. He gets to the root of it and he tells him, Peter, I know you made mistakes, but let me remind you what I told you a couple months earlier that I'm going to build my church on you. You might have deserted me. You might have left me. You might have changed your mind, but it's too late, Peter. You walk like me. It's too late, Peter. You sound like me. It's too late, Peter. You you imitate me too much. You've been too close to me. And Peter, I want you to know I have not changed my mind about you. And Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter stands up and preaches like a madman. And 3,000 people come to Christ. And the church of broken, dysfunctional, backstabbing, backbiting, people who change their mind, people who have issues, people with addictions, people with problems. They realized they were called out and they were called up. And they started a movement that changed the world. Can I just tell you that we are that church? We're broken, we're busted, we've got problems. But because Jesus said, I'm going to build a church through you, we're crazy enough to believe it. And so whatever your problem is, just be reminded today that God has decided that he's building a movement right here and he's building it with you. He hasn't given up on you. He haven't changed his mind about you. I'm building my church with broken people because broken people know what broken people look like. And broken people know the problems of broken people. And broken people know broken people language. And you don't have to be perfect you don't have to be powerful you don't have to be filled with the spirit yet all you've got to do is accept the invitation to be called out and called up and I'm just wondering if you are reminded there's anybody in here that knows we are that movement that we are that church and says I don't care what it looks like I'm going to give my life to this because he gave his life for me and so we're that church Somebody's going to ask you. Somebody's going to call you because somebody's praying for you. Somebody has you on their mind. And I want us to know as a church that we won't stop. We won't stop until every square inch in this room has every person that needs to be here. Not just one service but two or three services, not just two or three services, but two or three services in two or three locations, not just two or three locations, but two or three locations in two or three states. I'm talking about a movement. I'm talking about something that God wants to do. All he needs is people who are crazy enough to do it. So today I want to ask us to stand to our feet wherever we are. Stand up to our feet as we close this out today. I just want to remind you of who you are. And who you are is who we are. And we're the ones that are called out. You may not have been called first, but you have been called out. You may not have been the person that's had everything go well for you all of your life. But we believe there's something inside of you that God wants to do. And we believe that purpose comes out when you're following him. And I'm to pray a prayer today. And I just want you, if you're able, to just put your hand on somebody next to you. We're going to pray today as a, as a family. We're going to pray today as a community. We're going to pray life into each other. We're going to be reminded of who we are this morning. Father, as our hands are on our shoulders, they're there to affirm that we are who you want us to be. and Father, we pray today that as you have made this call, that we would accept this call. I pray for someone today who's maybe giving their life to Jesus for the first time. I pray for someone today who's making a decision to be baptized. I pray for someone today who's making a decision to be a part of a small group. I pray today for a person who's making a decision to invite someone. I pray for today for someone who's made the decision to join a team. I pray for someone who's made the decision to give to you for the first time. And Father, we celebrate all the decisions that were made. And we pray for those who are still struggling and still trying to get it right. But we celebrate that we are a church of broken people who have a God that is willing to heal us. And so today we accept the call. We move forward. And we say thank you, Lord, for not forgetting about us or giving up on us. But we will watch forward and we will do what you call us to do. And we pray this because we believe. It may not look like it, but we choose to believe it today. And, Lord, we celebrate the church that we are, the church that you see, the church that has tremendous impact in this community and in the world. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said amen Amen. and amen come on do we got a praise left inside come on can we thank God for being that church can we thank God for moving forward I'm thankful for all the, the celebration.